0: So we can talk about UFOs now. Today is Monday, June 28th, 2021, the eve of the Feast of Saints Peter and Paul. And I don't know about the rest of the world, but when I was growing up, the Feast of Saints Peter and Paul is when new priests would be ordained over in Econ, Switzerland. I don't know if any of the other traditional groups do that or or even if the SSPX still does that, but that's always what sticks in my mind for the Feast of St. Peter and Paul. Uh, a couple of chaps are pretty uh, important for the uh, church as we know it.
1: Well, I think they try to get close. I think it's traditional, like, you know, the last week of June, first week of July. Um, I don't know if they if they try to hit the nail on the head where they, they do the ordinations exactly on the feast, um, but... And then who knows what's going on in terms of ordinations again this year? So, but I'm, there are going to be ordinations. There already have been some. There was one in Mexico, um, Mexico City, um, a couple weeks ago or so, something like that. Um, so it's happening. Good, good priests are being ordained. So it's happening.
0: Right, and and uh, like I said, my experience going back to. Back when I was short, it was that uh, June 29th every year. That's when the the priests were ordained. But that was because there was really only one group at the time uh, who was notable in any way for tradition. Now you've got the Fraternity St. Peter, the Institute of Christ the King, um, Mm -hmm. and at least two or three more other groups that don't necessarily speak English. So I'm I'm not as familiar with them. Good
1: Shepherd, St. Vincent Ferrer. Right. And and they
0: have multiple uh, seminaries in different parts of the world. So I, mean, the, I I don't, there, there's no hard and fast rule. It makes sense that this time of year is about when ordinations would take place because this is when the academic year is over
1: mm-hmm. and
0: they need to uh, ordain the, the new priests and have time to do all the uh, musical chairs of reassigning uh, priests to, to their new assignments and everything. So usually early summer is a good, good time to do it.
1: Also, Pentecost is big for ordinations or is it um, Ember Week? ember week in pentecost in the in the octave of pentecost i think that's another big traditional ordination time so yeah, if you've got yeah. the
0: old saint andrew daily missile and it's got the um two and a half miles of of readings for ember week mm-hmm. they i think it's the ember saturdays and some of the some of the sundays in those in those weeks the um the sunday readings are just continued on from saturday because the idea being that back when they would do you know big gala ceremonies they would start these at noon on saturday it would actually go i don't know maybe not not noon but it would go through the night and into sunday so that they just continue the the theme of the liturgy in that respect now we don't Sigh. quite do that exactly wouldn't, wouldn't that be amazing
1: <laughs> wouldn't it <laughs> after the triumph of the immaculate heart and yeah. we might all live to see it at the rate we're going so
0: <laughs> yeah yeah, I I don't know that we're going to have uh, the BBC around for that, but it, it's one of those things I think about. It's like when when we have the triumph of the Immaculate Heart and uh, the the Church is restored even more more great than it, than it ever has been. I think about like uh, the BBC broadcast of say Christmas Eve uh, from from um, uh, Canterbury, no not Canterbury, the um, Westminster, Westminster. Mm-hmm. and just how you know just just from a from an aspect of. Uh, pomp and and um, just the the the, uh, the glory of a religious religious television event or a Protestant television event. It, it's it I can't help watching that. I think what if they were doing this from a Catholic perspective? And, mm-hmm. and I I realize probably in Italy they they still are, are nominally Catholic and they probably broadcast stuff too. But in a country like like England or the United States, if this really was embraced as as the religion, what would it be like to have at the national cathedral? uh a you know cnn and and all the big alphabet soup networks um yeah running things you know christmas christmas uh mass or or you know the pentecost um or ember pentecost um uh ordinations and having that literally go for 12 hours that would that would be amazing
1: Mm -hmm. well like i said keep praying and uh at this point, it's conceivably possible that it will be within our natural lifetimes. It could happen within 50 years. So,
0: <laughs> yeah. And, you know, as talking about uh, Triumph of the Immaculate Heart and tradition, one of the other things I thought about, you know, it almost made me laugh out loud, and it's one of these things, it, it, this was during the middle of the workday. I was i was thinking about my my uh, other coworkers. This is long before uh, COVID, and we actually were working in offices. And I was looking at my coworkers, and this is a pretty progressive workplace I was, I was working in. I was like, what if these were all? Catholics I and mean, we don't even have to use the word traditional but really devout Catholics and and what kind of what kind of um uh devotions would just spontaneously show up in the workplace and how would we do that and the other thought that came to mind is how bitter are the trads going to be <laughs> who who lived through all of this and and uh are are annoyed that because uh, you know they're going some some will will be joyous and, and happy but there are going to be some people who are just bitter as like, like like the like in the parable of, of the um of the the son who who went off and then came back,
1: yeah.
0: um, the older son was annoyed because he he never left. He he he, mm-hmm. he 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 was he was faithful to what he should have been the whole time, and the, the whole. Uh, there, there was a line that was, it was expanded upon in, in one of the retreats I went on once, saying, "I haven't gone off sleeping with women and and wasting and and, and having fun and all this kind of stuff." And it's like, I want there's going to be an, an element of trads who are who are going to say, "Hey, I never committed apostasy or had had um, issues oh, yeah. of faith. Why aren't I running this? Why are we letting all these new Catholics come in?" And
1: well, it, even more to the point is probably the parable of um, you know the wages where he goes out the the owner of the of the vineyard finds the workmen the day workers they start early in the morning they work all day he bring and then the owner of the vineyard goes out and brings some in and they only work for like the last hour of the day and he pays all of them exactly the same wage and the ones that were there all day long working pitch a fit and say this isn't fair why why do these People who only worked an hour, why do they get exactly the same wages we got? We've been here working all day. And our Lord said, it's my money and I can do with it what I want. And I have kept my promise to you and you need to shut your mouth. And that's that's a parable that smacks you in the face because you can you can just feel yourself in that situation and you can feel yourself saying, oh, man, this is BS. (laughs) Nope, shut your mouth shut your mouth. It's there, but for the grace of God, you know, I mean, no, no complaining, no complaining about this. If, if, if you get in it, whether you get in early, late in the middle, you, you got in, thanks be to God and anyone else who can get, get in, including deathbed conversions of people who have lived absolutely dissolute lives, who repent in the last Ten minutes of their earthly existence. Praise God. Praise God. And you've got to get over that whole. Well, that's not fair. <laughs> Life isn't fair. We've been hearing. We've we've been hearing this since we were we were tiny little children. I mean, it's that's not what it's about. It's all gratuitous. Salvation is completely, totally gratuitous.
0: And and no, uh, theologically. A uh, rational Christian is ever going to pray for justice because it, if justice <laughs> were truly served, we'd be yeah. in a world, that, well, we'd be in an eternity of trouble. Yep. But talking about yep. trads um, doing a really good job of, of hanging each other and, and forming circular firing squads, uh, Mr. Mate had something that he wrote recently, didn't he?
1: Yeah, in fact, I just got um I just got another interesting uh thing in my email box today. And I'll probably this is what is today? Today's Monday, I'll post it on Tuesday. Um, because the um what's cooking on the top of the blog right now is we're as we're recording this is the um the expose that the FDA completely foresaw all of this blood clotting and um heart infections and heart inflammation and kids dying and everything. They completely foresaw all this in October and we've, we've got the receipts on that. So that's what's on the top of the blog right now. But um, tomorrow I will post this interesting thing. I mean, I <sighs> I, I don't want to wade into this. I am a lone wolf to a large extent. I literally, the people that I am in regular communication with is super nerd, nurse Claire, non Vinnie Mark, um, Dr. Matza a little bit, but he's not, um, he's not chitty chatty, but what I mean, you know, in, in, in communication with Dr. Matza, um, and don't suppress a Vanessa. And that's, that's pretty much it. I and this is how I was when I was a commodity broker too. A lot of commodity brokers would just dork around all day on the phone talking to other commodity brokers and I never did. There was there was there were like two guys in the same office in Kansas City that I would talk to every once in a while and that's pretty much it. I was not one of those sit around and jawbone like that you know I I was busy I had work to do and um I don't I don't and you all know that I don't do social media I'm just like religiously <laughs> it's it's so bad um I don't want to wade into these wars but in a certain sense I mean I'm already most people don't like me must mo- most trading people think you know either, I'm crazy or I'm too extreme or, or most of them, let's face it. Most, most of them are Francis's popers. So, um, Francis's Pope, shut up, stupid. Um, and so they don't want anything to do with me on that. that, That's completely fine. You know? Um, but but it's, it's weird to watch this that now DiMattei has gone to war against vegano and this person is at war against that person. And church militant is at war against the sSPX and everyone who doesn't um, you know, lick Michael Voris's pedicured cotton candy pink toenails. I mean, I it's just it's it's all a mess. You can see the demonic machinations and all this and the whole circular firing squad thing going on. In terms of vegano, uh, so so Dimate comes out and says and accuses Vigano of ha- having a ghost rider that this isn't vegano. Now, the thing the thing about vegano, and we recorded a podcast, Mark and Dr. Matza and I. When Vigano came out and started saying that Donald Trump was the catacomb of Second Thessalonians two, Mark, Doctor Matza, and I were just like, "Okay, this we have to say something about this because this is just this is this is silly. This is just silly." And you know, Doctor Matza had just dropped his thesis, which I think is absolutely true: the Pope, the Vicar of Christ, is the catacon of Second Thessalonians two. And Doctor Matza's made an absolutely brilliant case that that that's that that that's what's going on both in terms of looking at scripture in the big picture and then looking at the, the micro events of the past eight years. Um very very good argument we'll put it in the show notes if anybody wants to go back. We'll put both the podcast that we did about Vegano calling Trump the catacomb and and Dr. Matz's position paper. Um, so <sighs> V- v- Dimitay accuses Vigano of having a ghostwriter. Then I've got people, I've got um, Europeans um, sending me things demonstrating that, wait a minute, Dimitay might be engaging in some pretty serious projection here. Just got something in my email box today from a European that says, um, that makes a very good case that DiMattei has just published and he has a publishing arm. He has just published allegedly a book written by an anonymous leftist academic and making, and, you know, making the case that, oh, veganos crazy and, and the, the, Corona scam is a good thing and we need to use this as an opportunity for change and all this crap. I, it's, you know, that build crap.
0: Back
1: better. build back better, great reset, all of that. And, um, makes the case that this, this stylistically and their clues, and it's published by D Mattes publishing house. It's his own, it's his own, um, imprint that D Mattes wrote this thing. Every uh, uh, people in Europe all suspect that Di actually wrote this book himself. So if that is true, this would be a classic instance of projection, accusing somebody of doing exactly the thing that you are yourself doing, et cetera, et cetera. We know all about that. So um, it's it's just a hot mess. And the thing about all of these these people. Is I, you know, I try to sit down and, and put myself in their shoes. And I think what's going on here is that these people, both the Europeans and the American Trad Inc. People, the names of which we could all, you know, make a list as long as as our arm. We call them these, you know, Trad Catholic thought leaders, blog owners, writers, whatever you want to call it. These people have almost all of them have completely missed. Everything. And if you stop and think about this, oh since the usurpation of Bergoglio in the last eight years, these people have missed everything, the most epical um events and um crimes in in the 2000 year history the church the papacy and now with the corona scam they've all missed that too cuz DiMattei's big thing is he's mr provax big time oh it doesn't matter if there's whizzed up dead babies in it, it doesn't matter uh it's you know we, and we've we've talked about this it's 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 sufficiently removed in time and it's for the greater good and and just you just look at these people so they miss um pope benedict resigns and I include myself in this because I didn't come out publicly. I didn't put the, I didn't put everything together. I knew something was terribly, terribly wrong with the whole putative resignation and, and two of them in white and, and so on and so forth. But I didn't come out formally as a uh, Benedictus Pope until June of 2016 after uh, Ganswine's speech at the Gregorianum in, on May 20th of 2016 and then the canon law. The canon law is what, so, okay, that it wasn't just Ganswine's speech, it was the canon law because the canon law is is the determiner of it. The, the canon law is what adjudicates this. Um, it's the standard by which a papal resignation is judged. Um, so I didn't come out. So I missed that until June of 2016. But then I come out June of 2016 and all these people are incensed and how dare you and who in the hell does she think she is? And well, my response is, who do I have to be? You know, I mean, there it is right in front of you. Um, and they're all, they're all angry. They're all pissy because they all imagine themselves to be this elite caste and well I have a degree in theology as it turns out Dima Tate is not lettered as we all thought he he was he is not a, a PhD um I think I'll have to double check this but I think he only has a bachelor's and then he somehow something happened in Italy and if you had any sort of a teaching position something bizarre happened with a, a change of government or something. And anybody who had a state teaching position was like grandfathered in as a tenured professor for life. He doesn't have, he's not done the PhD work or any of that. He just got swept along in this weird thing that happened in Italy in the early eighties, I think very weird. Um, so he doesn't have the credentials that he claims to have, but he holds himself out over in Europe as being the intellectual thought leader, the head of this, and they get, you know, their, their their heads swell. And and by golly, I'm gonna be the one who says what's what, and everybody's gonna follow me. And anybody who doesn't go exactly along with me. The other thing you have to remember that's working with Di is that he um he's an aristocrat. He's not he's not Italian nobility, but he's of the aristocracy. And for Americans, it's really hard to get your head around the whole psychology that's swirling with the social class structures and the fact that these people, just because of what family they're in, they honestly think that they are just entitled to be running people's lives, to have a seat at the table of power. And what what people in Europe have explained to me is that Dimate and people like him, this kind of low-level simmering aristocracy, people with the from these families with titles, they want to play nice with the New World Order and the Freemasons because they think that they're going to get a seat at the table of power in this great reset. And so it's be moderate, go along to get along. Oh, you tinfoil hat conspiracy theorists. Oh, you see a Freemason b- behind every tree. Well, up until not too long ago, Mate w- was writing about exactly this, that in Europe there is a Freemason behind every tree and, and you've got to be you know, you have to be historically aware of these dynamics and what's going on and the forces that are in play here. And now all of a sudden it's shut up, put your mask on and go get your death injection and forget about the whizzed up dead babies and forget about the fact that it's completely, that it's poisonous. Shut up, shut up, stupid. Where have we heard that before? You know, so they want a position at the the table, at the seat of power in America. It's not about any sort of obviously aristocratic thing like that for trads in in the United States. I think what it's more about is just being included in the group, which, Oh, human respect. Don't get me started on human respect. Um, (sighs) may, May I never, ever, ever succumb to the, the, the psycho-spiritual poison that is the desire for human respect. Um, they want to be part of the in-group. They want to have followers on Twitter. They want to have, you know, donation revenues. They want this, that, and the other. And they want to be considered a quote-unquote thought leader. It has nothing to do with who your family is or anything like that, obviously. But it's it's a social it belonging to the group belonging to the clique and again if you if you're in the church for the social experience if you're in it for the networking if you're in it for the if you're in it for the the sunday lunches with a bunch of gay men i mean and sit around and they're witty and everybody's speaking in in highfalutin put on english accents and quoting chesterton and i mean how pathetic and how lame can you be? I'm sorry, but I mean, that's just, you know, chasing after a bunch of sodomites and sodophiles for their for their approval, just ridiculous. Um, and so you put yourself in these people's shoes and they've just, they've missed everything. You miss the resignation, you miss the usurpation by Bergoglio of the Petrine Sea You miss the whole canon law thing because at this point, you're bitter and you refuse to engage the data set. So you miss all that. You miss everything that's happening with Bergoglio, you are either going into schism or apostatizing. They're either going Eastern Orthodox or the one prominent one who used to have a, a fairly good sized Trad website. He's completely apostasized. He has stopped practicing the Catholic religion full stop. And he's he's more concerned about, about Martians and and video games. I mean, it's it's pathetic to watch this, but everybody saw it coming for years and years and years so these they've missed that now you get to corona scam and all this stuff starts to come together and you totally miss that and i mean how how obvious was corona scam from the absolute beginning it was clear that this is just this is a this is a rebranding of the seasonal cold and flu this is abject nonsense this is a totalitarian push this is a global totalitarian push by the Freemasonic New World Order, in conjunction with, and intimate cooperation with, the Bergolian Anti Church. Miss it, totally, totally miss it. Now, you are still trying to hold yourself out as a thought leader. You're still trying to hold yourself out as a person who is entitled. To a seat at the position of power, you are still holding yourself out as someone who deserves to grift $20,000 a month in quote unquote donations. And you just you couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. You have missed. The most important events—you've certainly missed the most important and severe thing to ever happen in the papacy in two thousand years. I, I think that's—I think that's clear. Um, you've completely missed that, and you've completely missed the totalitarian overthrow of the entire post-Christian world. Completely missed it. And, you, and you're still trying to hold on and tell yourself and tell the public that you have a shred of credibility and that anyone should listen to anything that you say. Can you imagine the interior conflict and struggle and self-loathing and, you know, all of that that, that would go along part and parcel with putting your having put yourself in that situation? Um So in a certain sense, I feel bad for them because they've painted themselves into a corner. It's actually quite easy to get out. All you have to do is say I was wrong, which is really one of the easiest things in the world to do in a certain sense. It's one of the easiest things in the world to do. But, of course, no one will do it. it. And... Oh and also they they they're completely wrong about the vax the the death jabs and all that. Completely missed ivermectin. I mean and but now we're getting I mean we're drilling down several levels now but that's that's the position that these people are in and you know what what do you say? What do you say? I'm not saying you should only listen to me. You shouldn't only listen to me. Um you should listen to a variety of of people, perspectives, way different ideas off of each, off of each other. Um, and, you know, as our Lord says in the gospels, you know, judge things by their fruits. Um, you know, if you, if the fruit of somebody's quote unquote apostolate is diving into schism and or apostasy, well, put that data set in your basket and take it to the checkout counter with you and and figure out what's what, you know? Um, So I think, and as these people descend into all this and they've got this self-loathing and they're just lashing out, lashing out, lashing out at everybody. And it's it's a shame. And like I said at the beginning, you can, it's so clear. You can see the demonic machinations in all of this. You can see how, satan's at work and and how all of this came about and came to be i mean from a from a demonic perspective it it does make sense tactically what's happened um and i don't exactly know what the solution to that is honestly i i don't know all i know is i'm going to keep doing what i'm doing um continue to be the lone wolf and of course with super nerd oh and by the way we were reliably informed that Super Nerd is my Mossad handler. Um, so
0: it's been a long time since I've worked with any, anybody in the IDF. Well, yes, yeah,
1: so, so you say. You so. No, you I, I have worked
0: with somebody in the IDF before.
1: <laughs> so. I, I'm I. What I assume has happened is that all of the hundreds of thousands, or presumably even millions, of dollars that I was supposed to be paid by the Mossad to be whatever the the, the mouthpiece that I am for the Mossad, that it was going through you, and you've just pocketed it, and it's sitting in a Bitcoin account in your name somewhere. So, and it all got
0: lost in the last three weeks because Bitcoin crashed.
1: Oh, that's right. Oh, wah, wah. So. <laughs> Sometimes the email box is tremendous fun. <laughs> hey, who is this super nerd guy? I think he's Mossad. And these and the thing that's sad is these people are completely serious. They go through life, and their way to deal with anything that challenges them, their worldview. Somebody doesn't agree with them. The answer is shape shifting lizard Jews. And, and and seriously. People go through their life like that, and it's really sad, but there you go. I
0: don't know. It kind of reminds me of, you know, if, if all you've got is a hammer, then everything starts to look like a nail. If, mm-hmm. if, if that's the only answer you've got, then then yep. I guess everything has to fit that that narrative. Yep. Uh, yeah. So you, you mentioned um, a, a couple of things. Ta- talking about uh, don't, don't just take your word for everything. Uh, listen to yeah. other ideas and weigh them and bounce them off. And I was starting to make the mental notes like, well, you really should start with more, first off, prayer and building the spiritual life. And you did mention looking at the the, the reference to the gospel of judging things by their fruits. And and I was going to say, read the Bible, something we Catholics don't do enough of. Well, I mean, converts like you, you, you've read read the Bible quite a bit. But you did say that once you converted, you kind of stopped reading the Bible because, oh, hey, look, there's this whole other library we get to read too. And yeah. It's not, and, and I say that in a joking manner, but... Um, I don't know the experience of going from only having this one book and and then saying, "Oh, there's thousands, tens of thousands more I could read." I, I can yeah. see where you might um, where, where you might abandon uh, reading the Bible for a while. Uh, it'd be something to go but back I to. Can't, I can't.
1: I can't imagine doing it the other way around. I can't imagine reading all of the the uh, saints and doctors and fathers of the church and all of the Catholic apologetics, and. Every time there's a Bible reference, not you know recognizing it, that's the strength you have. If you come into it um, st- starting with a solid familiarity with the Bible, I'd read it cover to cover four times, and so when you're reading and you see things, not only in um, you know apologetics and and the the saints and doctors, but also at mass. Just, you know, you go through going through the Missal every year and at Mass every day, and suddenly these verses that, sure, you, re- you would read them in in situ in the Bible, but then when you hear it at Mass and you hear it in the context of the liturgy and the divine office, when you hear these things in that context, completely new Ball game. It's like going from black and white to color. It's like Dorothy walking out of the walking out of the house in the Wizard of Oz. It's exactly like that.
0: Well, and I've made the mention already the Saint Andrew, uh, daily missile earlier, and that's a pre fifty five missile, which is why uh, Mm -hmm. we're talking about the. um, Why am I blanking on this? The four times a year thing. Uh, Ember days. Yeah, that. <laughs> the Ember Days uh, and and the the uh, what's in that that book in that that version of the missal is so much more voluminous than anything else you're going to find anyplace else. Yeah. But also, one of the things I really like about that missal is the massive amount of notes and historical notes and and uh, breviary notes that go before each of the Sunday uh, Sunday mm-hmm. masses. And so, for example, the last two weeks, it goes over the fact that in 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 the breviary at this time of the year, in the last two weeks. Uh, it goes over the story of David, and it's and David last week slaying or slaying Goliath. This week, um, with with the death of Saul and David becoming king, and 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 the the spiritual significance that comes out of this, and how it uh, pertains also to the feast of Saint Peter and Paul, uh, which normally falls about the seventh week after after uh, Pentecost. Mm-hmm. And, and just tying that all together, yes, it, you, you read the same thing year after year, but you always have the wisdom of age to come back and see things. And also, what's kind of interesting and cool from the perspective of somebody who's grown up around traditional Catholicism, and I don't know how often I've heard the same priest preach on the same feast more than one year in a row. So, in other words— next year when we get to the fifth Sunday after Pentecost, I probably will hear a sermon from a different priest that I've never heard before. Mm -hmm. And you get to, you get to hear a, a variation of, even if they were all reading from the same book, let's say they all are reading from the spiritual, um, readings of St. Alphonsus. Uh, the daily meditations and prayers. You can take three different priests, read the daily readings, and and, come and create a, a sermon based on that. You're going to get very different yeah. takes because yep. different parts of that are going to speak to different people in different ways. Yeah. Uh, something, for example, uh, I know you don't you don't have a big problem with with human respect, so maybe something that really that somebody who struggles with that and sees something that that has um, a, a fruitful meditation for them, they're going to emphasize that in part because they're preaching to themselves on that point, but it's also going to reach a lot of people as well. And whereas somebody who really couldn't care less what somebody else thinks of them, they don't have a problem with human respect. They, they're, they might um, be more taken with, with comments on pride and how to cultivate mm-hmm. humility, and that's going to come out in, in, in their sermons. So having that opportunity to you know, study not, not just sacred scripture, but all the, the writings based on it. So the read the the uh, the sermons by Saint Ambrose, by Saint uh, Augustine. Mm-hmm. I made the comment before stuff that starts with uh, all authors who have the the, the names that start with St. And yes. Of course, now you have to qualify that and say and and we have called them starting with St. for a hundred years now or something like that. Um, stick to the the fathers and doctors of the church. Yeah, and and you definitely go back and forth between their writings and Sacred Scripture because if you read through. Uh, for example, uh, Thomas Aquinas' Summa, or even the Tour of the Summa, or the Cliff Notes Summa, depending upon your level of being able to to understand it or the time to to, to devote to it, there's constant references being made to Scripture. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One of my other favorites that I've I've mentioned before, and uh, to the degree that I ever do anything on Twitter, I'll, I'll tweet every once in a while the links to the Saint Alphonsus daily readings and meditations. Mm-hmm. Those have constant references to the scripture oh, as well. Ev-
1: almost every sentence is yeah. He even if it's like two words, he'll do like t- a, a two word clause or phrase quotation from script from scripture and cite it. And so it's it's almost they get to the point where they're they're almost just. Pasting scripture together, you know, into into a new form of prose in order to make a point. It's oh yeah, there there's no end to it. It never ever ever ends. And the other thing is, is current events, events not only in your micro, your personal life, but global events, current events. I mean, it's just it's just constantly shining a fresh new light, a new angle, a new facet. And it's scripture is just evergreen and the writings of the the fathers and doctors and saints um, is evergreen with application to it. And, And I've said this over and over again, the rosary, that's how I think that's one of the most profitable ways to pray the rosary is to just go through and use each of the mysteries and the fruit of the mystery and meditating on the mystery and saying, how does this apply to my life? To what's going on right now, just constantly reconciling every day to the cross through the mysteries of the rosary. Yeah.
0: Well, yep. I've heard it said too that the the rosary is simultaneously the easiest and hardest prayer. It's mm-hmm. easy to memorize. I mean, I've got three year olds who can memorize all the prayers for for the rosary. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, to really pray with meditation and reflection is one of the hardest things to do. And I'm not a golfer, but I've heard it said that for people who play golf, even if for the exact same course, exact same conditions, same pin placements, and all the rest, you'll never be able to play the the, the same course the same way twice. That right. some days you'll do awesome, some days you do horrible. Mm-hmm. And in the spiritual life with prayer, you're going to have your your days where the basically all all, you, all you're going to be able to achieve is to shut out all the distractions. So you don't really dive deep into into the thoughts of what you're praying about and contemplate. Mm-hmm. It's it. Sometimes, if that's all you can achieve, is just to reject the 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 temptations to be distracted for twenty or thirty minutes. That's all you were supposed to get that day. And yeah. other days, you're going to be rewarded with with um, amazing consolations and insights and 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 contemplations. And that's not something you you should expect every day. You know the the phrase that's probably Saint Teresa of Avila says: "Fall in love with the God of consolations, not the consolations of God." Mm -hmm. And honestly, if you're getting those rich consolations, you should be you should take caution because those are usually uh, given when you're having a hard time um, reaching the higher levels. Mm -hmm. That that when when you progress in the spiritual life, you're going to hit areas of, of aridity. And, and even conflict where it's it's just very difficult to pray and it seems like it seems like god is trying to make you not pray well he's and and, and it, it's not entirely false in a sense he's giving you the temptations that will allow you to grow uh and to grow more more richly in love with him
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know it, it, love without trial is easy and it's not rewarding Right. It's the trials and how you respond to them and overcome all those trials. That's what marks um, a tremendous love affair. And that's what we want to cultivate with God.
1: Mm-hmm. Well said.
0: Which wasn't exactly what David Tay wrote.
1: Not quite. <laughs>
0: no. and I'm looking at my notes and after saying that, it's like, do I really want to t- start talking about Pink Hitler and, and, uh, and Mossad? <laughs> <sighs> oh, dear.
1: Well, yeah, we, we, got, we, we, got, t- we touched on it. We, we, yeah, we, we touched on it. And- and, and I want my money. So. <laughs> Just as, so you as, know.
0: As soon as I get some, I'll, I'll send <laughs> no, okay. line, yeah. Let's see. Um, somebody, oh, um, let's see. I can jump ahead to one of the email notes. Um, one half of the Rick James duo uh, sent in a donation, but also a note and saying have you heard of father altman uh he was very bold in speaking against the vaccine mask wearing and especially shutting down the churches and i, I realized that he had he went on the uh, karen voris show recently and i heard it didn't go very well that i, I didn't watch it but i I'd, I'd heard some report some um yeah not reports but some feedback saying that he he got off topic and just didn't didn't do very well i, I don't um, know if you'd seen that
1: I didn't because I, I have a thing cause I heard the same things that you heard. And, um, I just really don't enjoy watching people embarrass themselves in any way. And so if I get any kind of a whiff that, um, someone's embarrassing themselves, especially on video, um, I, I it's it's easier to read something that some that someone has written that you kind of groan and roll your eyes, but watching someone embar- embarrass themselves on video, I I just don't enjoy that at all. I think um, you know, in terms of all that, um, I think a lot of us are on the same page at this point, certainly, is just beware celebrity priests. Beware priests who who crave um, any sort of media or social media attention. Um, I, I just I don't like it. And it, there's been so many examples. And and even not even priests. I mean things like Voris. How many of us? I mean, it used to be daily vortex watchers ten years ago, and then that just turned into a big gay train wreck. And uh, now oh uh, it's. It, No, no, we've been we've all been bitten so bad so many times, but especially by by quote unquote celebrity priests. And, you know, say, oh, this this guy's great. And then the next thing you know, he's he's run off with a woman or something. I mean, it's we all know the stories. Um, And um, I just be super duper duper careful with with. Priests who really want to be on TV, um, I, I, I instantly am kind of taken aback with all that. I, I keep my distance, and you know, going back to the whole lone wolf thing. Um, I'm just over here. We're we're doing our little thing over here in our tiny little corner, our tiny little acre, and um, I, I would just urge caution with all of that. Don't. I mean it's 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 a two, it, there's two sides to the coin. Yes, the priesthood is the priesthood and they have the power to raise the dead. Uh which your your great line super nerd is that um the priest giving absolution in the confessional of mortal sin is a greater act than the entire creation of the universe.
0: Oh, and I took that lie from a saint. I didn't come up with that.
1: Yeah. Do you know do you know which saint it is by any chance?
0: I don't off the top of my head. Um Probably, it sounds like something St. Alphonsus would say, but it could yeah, also just yeah, as yeah. well be Augustine. I don't know.
1: Mm. So, yes, there's that. Um, of obviously the fact that the priest calls God down onto the altar and the transubstantiation of the host occurs in the hands of the priest. Um, it's Yes, so there there is a tremendous tremendous dignity there, and I think maybe one of the reasons why we're all kind of put off by the whole celebrity priest dynamic is precisely because of that dignity. Oh, it was in um, it was in our little uh, chat group. Somebody posted a picture of one of these Novus Ordo celebrity celebrity priests, and what was he? He was being he he was having like ice cream syrup and everything dumped all over him. And it was just one of these weird degrading stunts that this young Nova Sordo priest was doing. And you just look at that and you're like, that that's not right. That's just not right. And so, you know, the, the whole, just being a a TV host, uh, you know, acting like almost a, a quasi game show host or a talk show host. It's, I think one of the things why it kind of puts us all off is because it's just below the dignity of the priesthood. You know, you, you shouldn't be trying to be on TV and acting like a talk show host, man. You should be offering the Holy sacrifice, praying the office and raising the dead back to life in the confessional. And, you know, comport your life according to this massive, massive dignity you have and not being trying to be a media celebrity. Um, So I'm, I, I'm not saying anything bad against father Robert or I have any information about any going, I had nothing, nothing, nothing like that. It's just, I'm, I'm inherently skeptical and just call me once bitten twice shy about all these quote unquote media celebrity priests. And I'm, I'm just not super excited about it. Um, and then you say, well, Anne, you're you're being hypocritical because you're saying they aren't speaking out enough. They're not taking a bold stand. They're not publicly standing against this thing. And I, I know. And if somebody can articulate this better than I'm doing it right now, by all means, email um, podcast at barnhart.biz. Um, but I don't know. It just seems to me there's a better way to do it than like going on Michael Voris's or something like that. It just... It seems. It seems to me this this isn't quite right. So maybe you can make the argument that yeah, it, it is for maybe more the domain for unlettered lay nothings like yours truly to do the ranting and the raving on the podcasts and you know putting putting the occasional video on YouTube and all that stuff. May, maybe it is better that the unlettered lay nothings be the ones that are doing that because in a certain sense. There is, I want to say, it's undignified. How how would I phrase it? I mean, it seems to me that you know, doing doing the format of podcast that Super Nerd and I do, where we're sitting here having these you know very casual conversations, it is to a certain extent beneath the dignity of the priest, and it's probably not the best thing for him to be doing. He needs to be preaching manfully from From the pulpit, you know, um, which you he know. was
0: he was doing some of that as well. I, I'd seen yeah. some some of the sermons that that he had published on YouTube or allowed to be published. I, I think it I think it was parishioners who were recording it and then he gave permission to have them posted. But it, it, one of the things that came to mind is you know how how do I compare what you're saying here to say uh, Bishop Sheen back in the day? And yeah. ideally speaking, somebody who's going to have a very prominent and public role that's something that's going to be assigned to them. It's not going to be something where they jump up and down and say, Hey, pick me, pick me. Yeah,
1: Right. It's, right.
0: it's going to be in the case of Bishop Sheen. I, I'm, I don't recall if he was specifically assigned to go into electronic media and, and, um, cultivate the, the programs that way. But I know that he was specifically picked out because of his ac- academic abilities. He, tra- he mm-hmm. trained over in, or went to schools over in Europe. So he spoke, I don't know how many languages fluently, but, um, he, he was he I think the majority of his television appearances though were either straight up teaching the faith or it was meant to they, they weren't they weren't railing against the government policies let's put it that way
1: he's railing against communism <laughs> well <laughs> but that
0: that's that's something about the faith though and and yeah. and um, not not to not to pick on the note that I write a little bit about here a, little, a bit ago but you know if if the you know, if priest who are uh, railing against the mask mandates and shutting down churches, unless they're d- directly tying this into something about the faith? I can see where this starts to get somewhat in trouble. Yes, as as Catholics, we're fed up with this stuff, and and when we hear somebody say that these truthful things, great, I'm glad to hear it, and yes, priests get in trouble <laughs> for saying things like this. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that's they all, a good they all, point. They I also, would say, They also get ahead. in trouble for just straight up teaching the truth too. I mean, if you have a priest uh, publish, or publishing or, or um, pre- preaching about and having it published, uh, condemning abortion and contraception, that's going to get them in trouble too. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: Unfortunately, that's not really the the examples we're seeing at the moment. It's people, uh, priests, I should say, who who are who are sounding off against all the the COVID COVIDiacy sure. that. You know, okay, yeah, that's true, but there are levels of truth. Not all truths are created equal. And if that's what you're hanging your hat on as being the great shining example, and and something else that came to mind too, you talked about um, priests or the celebrity priests treating like a game show. I've heard it referred to, one of the thoughts that came to mind is how much of the theology or the the liturgy of the new mass influences this Be, uh-huh. because uh-huh. it it, yep. it emphasizes a direct relationship with the people at mass as opposed to orienting yep. yourself to Jesus and yep. I, I, that's a common criticism about the new mass is that it it turns the priest into a game show host,
1: yep, absolutely oh absolutely it does and the the center of everything then does become the sermon um. And I think the, the, the other thing that is that is important to remember, like going back to talking about their preaching against um, the COVIDic religion, that, that's great. But listen to what the arguments they're making. Are the arguments they're making catechetical? Wearing a mask is wrong. And here's why. And using the Decalogue, using the Ten Commandments to explain why it's wrong, not appealing to the American constitution, the American political system, anything like that. Now you're you're going off the tracks there and you're missing an incredible opportunity. Yes, you should be railing against sodomy. Obviously, explain why in terms of the divine law. It, it catechized people. You know, you've got to do it do it in the right way. I am reminded now of um, when I burned the Quran and it was you don't you don't just take the book and chuck it on the fire you read it and you explain why here's what this says and here's why this is evil and here's why this is wrong let me explain this to you and then we'll and then we'll burn it at the end don't just chuck it on the fire i think a lot of them are just losing a, a tremendous opportunity to explain to people why sodomy is wrong. That's the thing. I think most people walking the streets today, in fact, I think a lot of trad Catholics, if you pin them down and said, why is sodomy wrong? Explain to me why doing that is wrong. They would probably get pretty tongue-tied and say, well, because it says so in the Bible. No, no, no. Tell me why. Explain why. Ooh, the one that's even more difficult that people get completely flummoxed on self-abuse. What why is self-abuse wrong? There's no victim. It doesn't depend it,
0: it depends upon how you define victim. And that ah. reminds me of the whole topic of, of libertarianism
1: mm-hmm. and, and the
0: idea of do whatever you want as long as you're not harming anyone, but they just don't have the right understanding of uh, spiritually, yep. of who's being harmed by certain activities.
1: Yep, absolutely. Um, it's self harm, but first and foremost, you're offending God. <laughs> so, but it, I mean, massive, massive opportunities for catechism, for just explaining God to people. In, in the simplest terms, just explaining God to people.
0: And to and, answer the question you mentioned, it's not just because it violates the sixth commandment, but also it violates nature and reason.
1: Yes. Yes. And as we're seeing now, if you, if it becomes endemic, it causes societal collapse. So um, yeah. Including, including um, auto genocide when people stop reproducing. So, <laughs> oh yeah. So many opportunities and you just rarely, you really don't, often hear it explained well. So I think that's kind of the thing we're going back to. All right, if it's a big responsibility, if you're going to be a priest, and you're going to speak publicly, don't drop the ball, do it right. You're not a game show host. And you know, back to um, Fulton Sheen, he was pretty open about the fact that Having the level of celebrity that he had, and I think a lot of the young people don't realize, in fact, I didn't even realize how famous he was um, until I read about him. Um, he was one of the most watched television programs in in the 1950s. His audience was absolutely massive, and there were there were lots and lots and lots and lots of Protestants. That watch Fulton Sheen religiously every week. Oh, um, I, I got to put a
0: link in the show notes to a video clip. I'm sure it's still on YouTube, and I don't remember the name of the the game show uh, in question. But he, but uh, Bishop Sheen was a guest on this game show. In this particular ah. segment, the 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 four panelists are blindfolded, and so they have mm-hmm. no idea who, who who the celebrity is that that came in.
1: What is that? But, to tell the truth, or yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. want to mm-hmm. say.
0: I don't remember the name of it it'll it'll be in the what's show my notes
1: line? what's my line I, that's yeah, what I want to say it's like,
0: it. like what's my line I think is what it is but mm-hmm. but but one of the things that was surprising to me was the 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 stunned reaction of the blindfolded panelists they're saying we haven't heard a a, a round of applause like that for a guest in a long time I'm curious to find out who this is mm-hmm. they, they were surprised by the reaction of the audience. Yeah, that's how big of a deal <laughs> Bishop Sheen
1: was—mega, was. mega, mega celebrity—and he he admitted that that in and of itself that he struggled with that, and he struggled with pride um, because of that. And you, and you can only imagine because I mean, you think somebody like Father Altman going on Voris, that that's a big deal. I mean, that's absolutely nothing compared to Fulton Sheen. When the entire population of the United States knows exactly who you are. I mean, yeah, big, big deal. So,
0: yep. Okay, so we talked briefly about ivermectin, and uh, it's still good news, and it's still in the news, and um, the CDC thing. Did you want to talk more about that or about any of the emails that have been coming in, or have we pretty much? Well,
1: the big one that I wanted to mention, um, really, really good question that I've gotten several times it comes in, and I need to add it to my, my big master ivermectin page that's on the website now. Um, they're saying, and it's okay. So you buy the one percent livestock injectable. What is the other ninety nine percent? And I can tell you exactly. It's fifty nine percent propylene glycol and forty percent glycerol formal. And these are two of the most benign. Um, they're basically preservatives. They're two. They're extremely benign substances. You can look them up and research them. They're. They ain't hurting you. So when, again, these lying liars saying, oh, if you take that livestock injectable, if if you're taking that, you're getting all kinds of chemicals they're like no you're not i'll tell you exactly what you're getting you're in propylene gly- glycol and glycerol formal which are preserved as they're probably in half of the processed foods in the grocery store so it's it's not it's not even a problem these people who are on this who are trying to talk down ivermectin as being dangerous or anything like that these people are just these people are lying through their teeth lying through their teeth it's, it's safe, even the livestock injectable version, totally safe. We know exactly what's in it. My comeback to them would be, tell me what the hell is in that death injection that you're sticking into your arm. No, nobody knows. And, you know, we've, we've talked about this on a Nurse, on a nurse Claire cast. H- who the hell knows what's in that? I mean, seriously, who has the ability to do a chemical assay on any of that stuff? Nobody. You, you have to be a mega pharma lab to even begin to do a breakdown chemical assay on what is in that vial. You are trusting them 100%. Whereas I can tell you what's, what's in a bottle of you know 1 per, 1% livestock injectable. I can tell you exactly what the three ingredients are. Ivermectin, propylene glycol, and glycerol formal. There you go. So great question. And we'll put that in because knowledge is power. And that just one more way, one more thing we can knock these knock these liars down with who are trying to trying to argue that that the safest, literally the safest drug in the world is somehow some terrible, tremendous risk. Oh, but go get this death injection with this RNA and and literally god only knows what else in there yeah i mean the the hypocrisy but you know satan hypocrisy he gets off on it it's you can't you can't shame people who are evil by pointing out that they're hypocrites because they they luxuriate in it they luxuriate in the fact that they can just lie to your face and be hypocritical and nothing happens so um it's frustrating but the the antidote to all of that stuff is just information and truth and and that's the truth. Propylene glycol and glycerol formal.
0: And, and unlike the um, the death jabs, which I believe they come in concentrated form and they're supposed to be diluted before uh, doing so the injection. Too, yeah. And there have been some cases where people either got um, the non diluted form and had to be yeah. contacted about it. And uh, I think in a few cases in North Carolina, I want, probably not just North Carolina, but that's the the place that comes to mind. Is is somebody got. Um, or a a batch of people got an injection without the it it was only the dilutant it was only saline so they 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 had all their their vex cards stamped and everything and i'm like if i had to get something that's the line i'd want to be in because it's just saline and (laughs) but no the 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 point is that the abermectin comes you don't you don't you don't have to dilute it i guess you could if you really wanted to um you, you you, well, you dilute it in, yeah. in a glass of water or something like that, just to for the purpose of, of, of tasting uh, of not having yeah. the 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 weird taste. But mm-hmm. um, as Anna said, mix it in some red wine. It's you can't you can't taste it.
1: Juice. I mean anything. Oh, if you put it in juice for kids, they wouldn't even taste it. I, I said on the last episode, I took my last dose and I just just to see what it would be like. I put it in not very much water, like an ounce of water, and. Eh, you could taste it but it, w- it wasn't strong at all you could perceive that it was there i'll put it to you that way it's yeah it's no biggie
0: cool okay so we're uh, we've covered see i had my notes in a particular order but we've jumped all over the place so we've already talked about anna's lone wolf um you don't do other shows um i don't think you needed to, to develop that one anymore did you no no
1: i said we need to stay
0: so we can talk about ufos now
1: I guess. <laughs> it's it's again one of these things that's being forced. Um I posted not too long ago that I think that this is all I think the UFO thing is a plan and that they are going to try to work this into the great reset argument and say the the martians have contacted us and have told us that we're destroying the planet and have told us this and have told us that And, um, they're also going to try to use it and you can see it happening because exactly the trad Catholic people who are apostatizing are the ones who have been on the UFO bandwagon for years and years and years. And that is not a coincidence. That is a direct correlation because the whole UFO thing is an attack on our Lord's incarnation. Um, So my position is is that there are no Martians, that we are alone in the universe, and that is based largely on um, research into the lie of evolution. If you do any sort of research into evolution and the mathematical probabilities of things, um, of, of even the simplest amino acids randomly springing into being... Um, there, there's just, there's no possible way. And then the more you learn about, um, the biodiversity on earth, the more you learn about anatomy, physiology, um, endocrine systems. I mean, just go on and on and on down the line, micro, microcellular biology, as we're all learning about now with these, um, poisonous mRNA things, we're all learning about these incredibly, um, fine um interactions that go on between you know cell membranes cell nucleus membranes um dna rna etc etc um i i absolutely think that we are it this is earth is the only place in the entire universe and yes i have been binge watching still because there's so much of it out there i've been binge watching still um cosmology and and physics videos on youtube uh physics lectures um relativity even though there's controversy about whether Einstein was actually the one who came up with any of that but you watch all this stuff and they just keep finding out that the universe is bigger and bigger and bigger than than they even imagined a few years ago um there I watch one youtube video about they've they've Isolated using the um, I don't know if it's it, which telescope it is. The um, what's the one that they had to fix? The um, what's it called? It starts with an H. The Hubble, the Hubble telescope. So they, they find they've isolated this galaxy, and it's the biggest galaxy that they've ever isolated. But then they're now realizing that there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of trillions of galaxies. So obviously, mankind is never going to be able to catalog every galaxy. There's not enough time in the universe. There's there's just no way, because there's so many of them. They found a galaxy, which they estimate the galaxy itself contains anywhere from 100 to 400 trillion stars. And that's one galaxy, you know? And they're, the things that they're using the Hubble telescope, they're seeing that the I saw one estimate on a video the other day, right now they're thinking that the universe is expanding at a rate 1100 times the speed of light. And you say, well, that's not possible because nothing can go faster than the speed of light. Uh, nothing can go faster than the speed of light inside of space time. But if the the universe is expanding, it's ex- it's not expanding into space time, it's expanding into uh, for, for lack of a better word, nothing, and so it's there's no bound on that speed. They now think that the universe is expanding at 1,100 times the speed of light. That starts people asking questions like, "Wait a minute, this appears to be happening at the same rate in every direction that we observe it from here on Earth. What does that imply? That implies that we're at the exact middle of the whole thing." Wow, okay. <laughs> That's certainly the the observational implication that we're at the exact center of it and it's all it's all expanding away from us. Um, complexity of life like like I said, understanding not only biology but mathematics and probability. I think we're it. I think we're alone now when when it you start talking about this UFO business, isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting that the genre of science fiction basically began at about the same time that Pope Leo XIII had his um, locution where he heard Satan and our Lord having their conversation um, wherein basically Satan said, all right, I'm making the final push. I'm going on a hundred year push here. Sci-fi started at about the same time. And all of this UFO crap started a- after that. So after um, World War One, suddenly people are now seeing this crap going on in the sky. And it all is, oddly enough, it looks very similar to whatever is popular in the genre of science fiction at the time. And it matches up with what the technology of special effects in the media are at that time. I mean, come on, give me a break. This is pretty obvious. What's going on here? What well, isn't it interesting that nobody has seen a flying saucer since what? Since two thousand one, a space odyssey came out because that kind of put the kibosh on on the whole notion of saucers as being the vehicles in which these these Martians flew around in or whatever. It all matches. Um, the other The other thing to remember is that, isn't it interesting that everybody now is carrying around a baby television with a megapixel camera? Anyone can record anything at any time. And just every single video that people purport to put up in any way, even the stuff from the government, You're looking at it and you're like okay which pixel here is supposed to be the ufo um isn't isn't that odd it's it's almost the same thing that happens with bigfoot you know that that camera quality just has not and will not improve on any of this stuff um
0: or the loch ness monster but or the
1: loch ness monster yes exactly with with regard
0: to the, the the government that's one of the things that that seems to be the most interesting is that well it has has been put forward as being the most interesting i don't i'm not a big connoisseur of all this whole topic to begin with uh, aside from you know just some of the speculations about what's really going on at area 51 and i'll get back to that in a minute but with regard to the the more recent stuff but the the navy pilots getting uh flare footage or, or ir footage of, of things showing up and suddenly being 80 miles away and and not being able to figure out what's really going on here and and uh, it, one of the observations was made on one of the podcasts I listened to recently is that if you uh, tried to have a serious discussion about UFOs in the nation's capital or especially around the Department of Defense, that used to be the quickest way to be, you know, given your papers to, to go away. Mm-hmm. They, that's that's a topic we don't talk about. And it's not because it's top secret. It's because you're you're. Bat poop crazy. Get out of here. Yeah. This this yep. this isn't serious stuff.
1: You're not so, able to think clearly. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: And so so now that the Pentagon is pushing a lot of this or, or divulging a lot of information, talking about UFOs, one of the theories is that what we're what we're doing is we're working with some technology to make things appear where they where they where they really aren't. So mm-hmm. it's the it's the I guess the inverse of stealth technology, where you have planes that are there but you can't see them, and yep. now we're flipping it around exactly the other way around. So yep. if, if you if if you have a, a, an adversary with that has a, a, a clear advantage in in numbers of aircraft, say for example, to guard against a, an incursion, well, once you just make them think there's an entire you know, air wing coming in from the south, and yep. once they launch and scramble everything that way, now you either yep. have nobody left to protect from the from the northeast where you're really coming in, or um, it, it's it's a manageable number and you can you can deal with that. That's one way of looking at it.
1: I'm flashing right now on one of the best movies ever, *Master and Commander*. Have you? Are you familiar with that movie?
0: I am not a big fan of Russell Crowe, so that's the only reason I've never watched it. But I, I, keep- I know
1: me neither. It, it's fine. Crowe is perfectly fine in this movie. This movie is fantastic, and they do exactly that. I know a lot of people listening right now are like cheering. It's like, oh yeah, that was so cool when they did that. They make a fake little. Like barrels, they strap some barrels together and put a mast on it, and send one of the the junior officers, who at those times they were kids, it was like a fifteen year old kid, and he goes and he sits on this thing, and they hang a lantern on it, and it's a decoy so that the the French warship that is pursuing them goes off on a completely wrong tangent then they're able to snuff their lights, circle back around and get position on them by making the French warship go have the French warship go chase after a ship that wasn't there. And yeah, this is this is nothing new. It's just the technology and um, it's just taking it to the next level. And it I mean, you've you've just gone through this whole covid thing. Everything that these people say is a lie and you don't you don't imagine that they might be lying about all of this crap, too. I mean, it's it seems pretty it seems pretty obvious. But then again, talking about what we were talking about before, these people just not being able to see clearly and not being able to discern discern events and not being able to hit the broadside of the barn in terms of just figuring out what's going on here. A horrible risk with all of this with regards to the faith is, as I said before, this is a direct attack on our Lord and and his incarnation. He He is incarnate as man, God made man. And I don't believe there's a plurality there. I don't think that he is simultaneously incarnated as a human being sharing our common lot in in every way but then he's also a martian or or whatever this is this is all completely theologically unsound and don't believe people who say oh no it it, it perfectly jibes with everything no it doesn't it also attacks the dignity of man in what i was talking about earlier in the sense that yeah w- we are sitting w- in what All evidence appears to be that we are at the exact center of this universe, that there are hundreds of trillions of galaxies. All of this exists for us. And there's a lot of people who don't want to be hearing that, and that makes them angry and they're offended because it speaks to the tremendous dignity of mankind that, yes, God would make the entire universe, which is maybe 90 billion light years across because it's it's, expa- it's expanding so fast. And there are that many stars and that many galaxies, and there's this just endless beauty and and, you know, this both on the macro scale and on the subatomic scale, too. The actually, the, what, blow, what really blows your mind is that smallness in the universe is much, much um, more profound than bigness is. Going down to the level of sub- ato- subatomic part- particles is far more radical and um, more removed from our, you know, one one meter by one meter by one meter spacetime um, than the bigness <laughs> of the universe. so you can you can work yourself into a lather and you can be terrified by the bigness of the universe and you can also be terrified by the smallness of of things too. Um, all of it exists for us, for human beings. and it's interesting to look at the people who are angered by that. Because what it means is that there is a God who is that big and that powerful and also that small who loves you infinitely, who loves mankind infinitely, who made all of this for us incarnated as one of us and then suffered, died, rose again. And all of all of this is for us. So if you're if you're unmoved by our Lord's passion, and it's interesting to watch these YouTube videos, because these physicists and these mathematicians, sometimes you catch glimpses of, glimpses of it, that they are, you can see the fear, you can see the terror in some of their eyes when they start talking about this stuff, that they they don't want to talk about the fact that it's obviously pointing to god that god exists but the fact that the fact that all of this exists and exists for us and for our benefit is is terrifying to them because it means that it means that he exists and it means that he loves them and people just do not want to be hearing about that they'd rather be either atheists or the other temptation, which, again, Trad ink people um, fall into this temptation, too, is, is deism, which means like Thomas Jefferson was a deist. He believed that there was an indifferent watchmaker, creator, who created the universe, set it all into motion, and then is is completely indifferent to all of us and is just sitting there watching. And notice the word that's used, indifferent, with our work on diabolical narcissism we realize that what is the opposite of charity what is the opposite of love it isn't hatred the opposite of love is indifference and so in the deistic model the god quote unquote is um he's a monster because he's indifferent he is the definition of basically psychopathy to just sit and watch in indifference. And so um, that's what a lot of this UFO crap, you take two, three logical corollary steps and you're talking yourself out of our Lord's incarnation, our Lord's divinity. Then you're talking yourself out of um, a loving personal God And then for some of them, they get they get to the point where they just talk themselves out of the notion of there being any God creator at all. And that this comes very, very quick on the logical corollary heels of the base premise of the Martians. And it's dangerous. And I would I would very strongly urge people stay away from it. And I personally, yeah, I watched a heck of a lot of Star Trek growing up, but the older I get and now I see this stuff rolling out and I see the damage that this UFO stuff is doing to people. Um, the more I realize that this sci-fi genre in total, I suspect that the fact that this is correlated in time with this, this attack on the final attack by Satan on our Lord and his Holy church, as Leo the 13th heard, um, I think that these things are correlated. And so I'm just I've really lost interest in sci-fi to be honest with you. So there you go. That's kind of my UFO rant.
0: I wouldn't be surprised if there's correlation but not in the sense that it's something essential. And one of the things that comes to mind for with UFOs that uh, from from my perspective and I mentioned Area 51 is that the U.S. Air Force now has admitted in the years past they have sent people undercover to UFO conventions uh, to specifically throw people off the scent of of um, classified aircraft tests. Ah.
1: Uh, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm.
0: and 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 so things that that uh, don't look right based on what we understand of the current state or or, or technology of, of flying machines. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, they might be working on some pretty interesting stuff over there, and and Area Fifty One is it's remote enough that they can, for the most part, do stuff without being seen. It's also an area where they do a lot of uh, EM testing, so electromagnetic testing. So the, mm-hmm. for example, when uh, when we sent the the raid into into Pakistan to take out Osama bin Laden, uh, at least that's the official story. The mm-hmm. stealth helicopters that were sent over there, they tested those at a range uh, out at Area Fifty One where they had an exact mock up. Uh, with actual, not replicas, but real radars that they got a hold of somehow that mimicked what the Pakistani air defense systems were. Mm-hmm. So you'd want to keep people away from, from this area simply because if you if you can kind of read what kind of um, uh, aircraft segment or what kind of radar signatures are being being um, used in that area, you might get a half a hint where the U.S. might be headed next. Uh, yeah. So if, if all of a sudden we see that... Um, Oh, let me think. Um, if we, if, if all of a sudden somebody with the right equipment is watching Area 51, it's like, oh, suddenly all the radar uh, uh, EM signatures that we're seeing match uh, what what the Pyongyang air defense um, circles or the the, the mm-hmm. air defense systems around North Korea look like. That might suggest we might be doing something over there soon, and we're we're mm-hmm. testing our hardware to make sure that it that it really does stand up against uh, what Pyongyang has, um, or we might just do that just to jerk everybody's chain and make them think we're doing that. But Area 51 has a lot of different um, different uses. They do detonate some things that go boom in a big way out there. Yeah. Um, but it's more advanced aircraft testing, and, and uh, I think the SR-71s were out there for quite a while. I know the F-117s were based out of there, and um, there was a story from the, from the 60s where initially, after some uh, secret aircraft they were working on, I think it was the A-12 actually, the predecessor to the SR-71. They lost control of it and crashed one and put out the word to the civil defense to basically evacuate a county. They said that there was a nuclear accident. And that was so they could go through and pick up all the pieces of titanium and everything else, that, and the exotic materials they used for building this plane. Mm-hmm. And then they said, nope, we didn't have the the leak like we thought. The, uh, the air crew came in and uh, got the stuff. They, they said the, the cover story was that a B-52 went down while carrying nuclear weapons. And anyway, the the point is that 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 area has been tied in with conspiracy and secrets and, and UFOs mm-hmm. for a long time. And a lot of the UFO stories have been pushed by the Air Force themselves yep. to keep people from not asking what they're really doing.
1: Yep. And yeah, I mean, looking around at what's going on in terms of, you know, publicly visible technologies and so forth. The notion that they are developing sophisticated holography and things like that, like you were talking about before, being able to project even images of of things, um, visible images of things, sure, eventually, sure, absolutely. Um, yeah, if why, you can, if you can make the enemy yeah.
0: if you can make the enemy think you're occupying two two places in space at the same time. I mean, you said yep. you watched a lot of Star Trek. I'm sure you know what the Picard maneuver is all about.
1: Yes, the Picard maneuver. Yes, yes, yes. Yep do do the warp jump so it looks like there's there's two ships instead of one yep
0: i mean ultimately the 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 umbrella term for all this is operational deception yep it's it's a way to make the enemy think that what they know is false or that what they believe um basically is so that the enemy does not have an accurate picture of reality
1: and let's map that now onto the new world order um this great reset notion and all of that the UFO narrative would fit beautifully into that. And well, the, the Martians have made contact and they told us that we have to, we have to shut down all, you know, petroleum uh, production and use and all this. And the people will just, yeah, I mean, clearly, clearly after, after this Corona scam, people will believe anything that, the voices on on the flicker box tell them. So if they say the Martians told us that we have to cease all uh, petroleum use and production right now, well then they'll everybody will go along with that. Or you know you you have to everybody has to be sterilized da, 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 da. What, whatever it is they'll just use it and hey it's the martians and then what that will also do as as the genesis of this conversation basically is is that there's a lot of people who are very weak in the faith who are not catechized who never had a strong faith to start with and this if they actually think that there are martians then they'll say well that's it i mean everything about jesus and god that's all that's all complete bs but uh, if there's martians then that just shoots all of that down so yeah it all comes together it's a what's that word consilience when everything just converges together into the same place and the same agenda you know you got you got to wise up and and Put two and two together and see what's going on.
0: I don't know if I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but but or in just in conversations. But I think at the very end of uh, the apocalypse, when the the angels blow the trumpets and and all humanity from all time is is called, it it's all all men in all parts of the earth and from the farthest reaches of the heavens will be convoked to the the plane of judgment. And and it that's one of those things that uh, in talking with somebody I don't know eight years ago or so. Uh, that particular line about from the the farthest reaches of the heavens and making sure that, you know, go, go back and look at that. And it's like, okay, are we talking about this English translation? What does it say in Latin? What is there any commentary on this? There's not to me. I, I see that as saying, I think we're going to achieve some pretty interesting space travel, even if it's within the next 20 years. Um, I don't know, maybe it could just be the space station. And well, I
1: mean, there's there's people on the ISS. There's been people in orbit steadily for how many years now? For decades now, I think. Oh, and of um, course, there's the
0: Israeli moon base on the other side of the moon.
1: Oh, that too. Well, you know all about that. <laughs> and I, I mean, I hope nobody does it, but it looks like they're going to try to send people to Mars. That would be really sad because that would be a suicide mission, but... Um, I don't know. Um, it look it looks like Musk and those people are crazy enough that they want to do that. But yeah. Um, superluminal, uh, superluminal travel. That's that's another thing that we didn't even get into. When you start getting into questions about, you know, do we really honestly believe that these that there are these Martians who have the capacity for superluminal speed and they're dorking around with with um Navy and Air Force pilots off the coast of off the coast of San Diego I mean really y- you've got super luminal speed capability and you're gonna be you're gonna be dorking around like that again I just nothing about it makes any sense at all um I
0: mean even if you're gonna go with the premise that Somebody with with that that uh, ability from outside this solar system or outside this planet at least is coming around to mess around with pilots. Don't you think they'd be messing with the, with the raptor drivers, the F twenty two pilots?
1: Mhm. But like, it never is, is it?
0: <laughs> right. It, no. It, it's it's uh, someone someone junior in an F eighteen.
1: Yeah. 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 And I mean, and you get you just start thinking about all those things. And now, wait a minute. Now, if you've got superluminal speed capability, how do you solve the problem of inertial dampening? So how do you make it so that you're going faster than the speed of light? And then when you slow down that you don't just splat and turn into hamburger, you know, as uh, with with the change in speed? Okay, how do you solve the problem of time dilation? Oh, then you can get into all that. So, how do you do? How do you get it so that you can travel at superluminal speed? But when you get back to the place that you came from, because presumably you'd want to get back, you know. I mean, what's the point if you're if you're not going to ever go back at any point? Um, how do you do that so that everybody there isn't? thousands of years you know thousands of years or millions of years have have passed where you came from but because you've been traveling at superluminal speed that basically the passage of time has stopped for you all these relativistic concepts you know um I think there's a lot in this. And again, it goes back to sci-fi that everybody's been watching Star Trek and there's gravity on the spaceship and there's inertial dampeners and there's no, there's absolutely no time dilation of any kind with any of this. And it's just, if you have any knowledge of, of physics basically at all, none of it makes any sense. And, um, and it just keeps pointing back to the fact that yeah we really are that special and god really does love us that much and yep we are the center of things and believe it or not that is the the more humble position to take one because it comports with the evidence and number 2 because it matches exactly with what scriptures tell us and that is for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but will have everlasting life. And, and that's
0: about all the space and time I have in my notes.
1: Um, I think it's a nice place to stop. I think that's in, a nice indeed, wrap up.
0: Indeed. Um, yeah. So like I said that, I'm, I'm done with my notes. So let's go into the wrap up the email address Thank for the podcast where you can send feedback, comment suggestions, or link to physics videos that you like. Mm-hmm. The email address is podcast at barnhart.biz and expresses her profound gratitude to all of her benefactors. And at least one mass is said every single day. Plus one traditional Catholic requiem mass for every, everybody who died in the previous week, whether it was in a condo collapse in South Florida or mm-hmm. from a COVID jab or just natural causes. Uh, please pray for these priests. Um, I, I don't have a clever, um, eloquent way to say it uh, this week. I, tr- I try to come up with a, a different way of saying it every time to try to stress the point that, you know, with, without the priests, our chances of getting to heaven are basically nil. So please pray for the priests. And pray uh,
1: for all the newbies that are going to be ordained or have just been ordained or will be ordained this week. So
0: Yes, yes. Uh, the Barnhart Podcast has a patron saint. Anne, you've been getting after me for not yes, pointing this out. Yes, we keep forgetting. St. <laughs> <laughs> Tiny Princess, uh, if you've listened to the podcast for, uh, well, if you've listened to it for more than two years, you, you've definitely heard us mention her many times. Um, yes, St. Tiny Princess, pray for us the barnhart That's super
1: nerds daughter guys for those of you who who might be new there's a lot of new eyes super nerd has a daughter in heaven so um and we don't say her name obviously but um god knows exactly who saint tiny princess is and saint tiny princess knows exactly who saint tiny princess is do not hesitate to um enjoin her for her intercession and uh that she pray for you. With the Barnhart Podcast, we literally have a saint. We have an in-house saint. So avail yourself of her.
0: The Barnhart Podcast is a production of Super Nerd Media. If you found something of value in this or previous episodes and would like to return some value, whether it's Bitcoin or something else, please visit supernerdmedia.com to learn more. And I'd like to recognize a few donors since the last podcast. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned uh, half of the Rick James duo. Rick, <laughs> Rick donated. Um, not James. Come
1: on, James.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, last time I said that they were conspiring to to, to uh, donate at the same time. Uh, via PayPal. I don't know what this person's name is, just Lowe. L-O-W-E. I know that's not their name. but But that's how it comes across. I don't know how that works, but... Cool, uh, two different Marys. So Mary and Mary, uh, PMJ. Mary is of it,
1: Salome and Mary of Clopas. Yes,
0: possibly, <laughs> possibly. Uh, PMJ. Um, if you might recognize those initials. Um, and Jeffrey and Laura. The last three, they're all monthly donors or sustainers, however you want to say that. So that that that's good. That that's that uh, makes make sure that all the uh, all the hosting uh, and software licensing and all that gets paid for uh, sustainably. Yeah. I don't think there was any Bitcoin coming in uh, since last time. Um, nothing through the uh, Israeli so fund. So you
1: say. So you say. Oh, no, I, uh, I, don't know Mr. Moser. I, I, know I, I did doing. check. There's nothing. Okay. All right.
0: Um, oh, also the the feedback on people who who emailed me because I asked asked you to uh, if you had questions about uh, podcasting apps on the last podcast. I said stop using the Apple Podcast app. And somebody um, I, I didn't have a very good answer at the time when you said, well, what's wrong with it? And I said it sucks, which is is a really and weird that is such out. an IT guy answer
1: <laughs> that everybody hates. It's like, why? <laughs>
0: yeah, um, and I, I really need to work on answering that better. I am working on a blog post to answer. Um, I think last time I said even we were talking about Father Z, and and uh, if you if you get the same question more than once on email, typically mm-hmm. it's better just to write a blog post to answer it. And I've yes. got a I've got a somewhat detailed outline. I think I shared that with you even about how how to answer this question. Um, but the, the long story short, Apple is, is building their little walled garden. And, and, uh, in terms of just as a technical thing, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, the, a walled garden is not a bad thing, but in terms of an, a podcast playing application, I, I think Apple has actually literally broken that app for, uh, so for example, mm-hmm. if you were trying to catch this podcast when it comes out, uh, it may take a day or two. To actually show up in the Apple Podcast app, and you and you asked, is that really a big deal? And I said no. But if you are, if it's if it's a kind of a, a podcast where you're putting out something maybe more than once a day, which I think yeah. some news agencies do that, uh, some yeah. podcasts put out things every day, mm-hmm. that can be disruptive to their to their revenue. And Apple is showing that they definitely want all revenue for anybody making money on the internet to go through their systems, so they can make thirty mm-hmm. percent. I mean, it's no different than google or amazon or all the rest but they're just yeah, a little yeah. more aggressive about it and they own a pretty big um a pretty big market in podcasting and just the name itself podcasting, it's based on oh, something yeah. something that came from um it, apple did not come up with that term it was a, a journalist in, in the uk who came up with that term but it was it was based on the the, the ipod uh, yeah the ipod yeah. and so the idea that you're broadcasting to the ipod anyway the I, I came up with some recommendations for, for people who were willing to try out different podcast um, applications. The number one I was recommending was was something called Podverse. And if you want to email me, I, I can give you a list of several more. And I'll try to get that blog post done in the next week or two okay. <laughs> and published. And uh, it'll I'll, I'll probably mention that again on the next podcast. And after that ramblesome bit, um, how about Matthew 1720?
1: Matthew seventeen twenty. fast twice a week pray every day without ceasing for our fourfold intention that Bergoglio be publicly recognized and removed as anti-pope and the whole thing be nullified that Pope Benedict Ratzinger who the 70th anniversary of his priestly ordination is coming up like tomorrow or day after tomorrow something like that uh, I think Dr. Matza might have something that he's going to post um in coordination with Pope Benedict's 70th anniversary of his priesthood, um, that Pope Benedict Ratzinger be publicly recognized as having been the one and only living vicar of Christ since April of 2005, that Bergoglio repent, revert to Catholicism, die in a state of grace in the fullness of time, not rooting for anybody's death, and someday achieve the beatific vision. And finally, intention number four, that Pope Benedict Ratzinger— that he repent of anything that he might need to repent of. We don't know, um, that he die in the state of grace in the fullness of time and someday achieve the beatific vision. Nothing less will do our lady undoer of knots pray for us.
0: And I just did look it up and yes, uh, June 29th feast of saints, Peter and Paul 1951 is when, um,
1: Sure, sure. That that uh, we're finishing the podcast exactly where we started. Ordinations on Peter and Paul. There you go. Exactly. Indeed. Mm-hmm.
0: And until next time, I'm Super
1: Nerd. And I'm Ann. Thanks, guys. God bless. And and I want my money. So. <laughs>